Good morning. So last week, something discouraged me. I had opened my emails and was receiving messages and someone had sent me a link saying, hey, you need to listen to this newscaster. And so I did, I, I clicked the link and it opened up and I was listening to this newscaster and he was ranting. I mean, he was blasting a person as he talked. I realized what he was doing is he was blasting a Christian for standing up for what they believed was most loving and helpful for someone else. And it discouraged me. Uh, a few emails later, I was reading Another email that was sharing the story of someone in another country who had been imprisoned for standing up for the gospel, for the gospel we just sang about, the God that loved us and sent his son to die on the cross for us. And in the same email, there was another link to another article that was in our country uh, related to a man who had been arrested and fined for in public praying silently. Maybe y'all read stories related to this man. And as I was reading it, I was thinking, wow, there's a lot of opposition right now in our world to Christianity. And I just happen to be a pastor, right? Yesterday, I read an email. Some of y'all might read uh, Jim Dennison. Uh, he sends out articles and Jim Dennison who's a cultural commentary writer as a Christian, wrote these words. He said, we live in a day when forces opposed to the gospel are at work in this world on an unprecedented level. We live in a day where forces opposed to the gospel are at work in the world on an unprecedented level. I had a few other conversations this week with parents who were talking about what it must feel like to grow up right now as a student in our culture watching the response of our world to Christianity. Do you feel that tension? I see a lot of you kind of, yes, uh, you're responding even in your gut. There's a room murmur. We live in a day when forces opposed to the gospel, his words, not Jesus' words, but are at work in the world on an unprecedented level. I wanna ask this question with you today. What is the future for the gospel? The gospel will define here in a little bit, we already have through the series, but the good news of Jesus, what's the future for the gospel? And we're gonna let Jesus answer the question for us because he is now at a point in his ministry where he's facing opposition like he never has before. And he's gonna share with his disciples a parable telling them the future for the gospel. What I wanna do today is I wanna let that question drive then this question for us. If we are a gospel-centered church, hopefully we are, what is the future for our church? Uh, maybe you've noticed around the room the blue t-shirts and you've noticed some decor on stage and what like what's going on I'll, I'll show you what's going on today but as we move into this I, I want you to know that 
uh, we actually, we work on sermon series stuff a ways out. We've known this was coming for like a year that we were going to walk through the book of Mark. I didn't know we were going to present to the church, even though we've had leaders in our church working on this discussion for years. I didn't know we were going to present it to the church today. But God just did this. It's like God, right? And all scripture is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, so it applies. We want to ask also then what is the future for our church? And then as we ask this question, our church, is the church that or is the church this? Yeah, it's, it's you. So I'm going to ask the question, what is the future for you? So if you have a Bible, turn with us to Mark chapter 4. We're walking through the book of Mark. If you don't have one with you, there should be one in the pew there in front of you. You can just grab that one. If you're new to the Bible, uh, just turn towards the back. It's actually the second book in the New Testament. There's a table of contents in the beginning. We're going to be in chapter 4. We've watched how Jesus, starting in chapter 1, has called his disciples. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of... Yes, and that men is actually anthropoids. It's men and women, people. He's, I, I, from the beginning, God's plan for his followers was for them to multiply. You follow me, and I'm going to teach you to go out and to fish for other people. And so you're going to multiply as followers of Christ, like a precursor to the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. So he calls his disciples to follow him, and then he has this large crowd of people that start following him also because he's healing and he's casting out demons, he's proving who he is. And as he does that, and he makes clear who he is, chapter three, we saw even last week this unbelievable opposition start arising. And you read in verse six of chapter three that the religious leaders are now plotting to destroy Jesus. Not just anybody, not like, like the government. The religious leaders of their time were plotting to destroy Jesus. And then Jesus' family at the end of chapter three show up wanting to arrest him because he's out of his mind. And, and his disciples are watching this, now that he wasn't really out of his mind, they think he is. His disciples are watching this and they're seeing what's happening around them and they're thinking, whoa, look at the response right now. What's the future for this gospel message that Jesus is bringing? And so Jesus is going to speak in parables on purpose. He's uh, changing even the way he teaches at this point in time because of the opposition. He teaches in parables so he can continue to teach those that are part of the kingdom about the kingdom. But those who aren't part of the kingdom are trying to destroy him. So he teaches in parables to kind of cloak what he's saying. In honor of God's word, stand with me. And I'm going to read starting in verse 1. Again, he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and he sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Behold, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell among along the path and the birds came and devoured it 
Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into what? Good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, your translation might use the word times, 30 times and 60 times and 100 times. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you, it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Pray with me. If you're comfortable on your knees, I want to invite you there just to posture your heart below the Lord. If not, you can just sit down. Holy Spirit, I'm just going to repeat a few of Jesus' words here. Holy Spirit, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. God, help us to understand today what your word says. And then God, I pray that through this, you would show us the future that you knew was coming for the gospel. And that you would direct us as a church. And the church's people, that, that us as your followers, that we would be good soil, God. Uh, pray for me that my words would be clear and that would re truly reflect what God's word says. And then also pray for our church. Pray that, that nothing that we talk about as a church would be about us. Uh, it would truly be about Jesus and what he has done. And God help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is the future for the gospel? Starting in verse 14, Jesus is going to explain to his disciples what he was trying to say through his parable. So here we go. Not trying. He did say. He's Jesus. The sower sows the what? The word. Matthew, when he tells us the same story, both Matthew and Luke emphasize this parable like Mark does as well. It was really important that they understood this. Mark tells us, I'm sorry, Matthew tells us that this was the word of the kingdom. What's this word of the kingdom? Well, Luke says this word of the kingdom is the word that we can believe and be saved in response to, is what Luke tells us in this parable. 
So the word is going to show up seven times, and this word is the gospel. And we've let Mark define the gospel for us as we've been journeying, right? We saw that Mark was wanting to tell us the gospel, that there's a real kingdom and a real king. If you repent and believe, right, his name is Jesus. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah, the Son of God. In his love and by his grace, he lived a perfect life and he died in our place and he rose again. And if you repent, believe and follow him, you're part of the kingdom, right? This is the gospel Jesus was preaching and he says the sower sows the word. What's, what's the future for the seed that he's sowing? And these are the ones along the path. In Galilee, if you go and you'll see that there are fields and around the fields and even through the fields there are paths and the paths are trampled soil and the soil doesn't receive the seed. It rejects the seed, it's too hard so the seed gets stuck. If it falls there, it's on top, it's rejected, it doesn't go into the soil. Where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and he takes away the word that is sown in them. What's the future for the gospel? It's rejection. Satan's stealing it away as their hard heart doesn't receive it. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. Also, if you go around Galilee, there's this layer of stone that's under the soil, really shallow soil that they try to break up, but areas they haven't broke it up, this limestone if, if it stays right under the soil, the spring rain falls, the ground stays real moist on top for a little while. So if the seed hits it, it sprouts quick, but there's no place for the roots to go. And when the sun comes up, the soil dries. And this is what he says. The one who, when they hear the word, the gospel, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then when, what's the word? Tribulation. Not just rejection in the future of the gospel, there's tribulation in the future of the gospel and when this tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Jesus, really? This is the future for the gospel? Rejection, tribulation, he's not done yet. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. Now, I, I, I could circle a lot of things and what he's saying going on here, but this is money and what money can buy, but it's not just, money's not in and of itself a bad thing. It's the deceitfulness, it's the cares, it's the desires. You see what he is saying here. It's the distraction, actually, a translation uses for this word, the distraction of the money and what money can buy in the world is going to prove to choke out the gospel so what's in the future for the gospel well there's rejection there's tribulation there's distraction y'all seen any of this in our world really that's what we've got for the future of the gospel that's not all but 
those that were sown on the good soil. Lord, help us to be good soil. Are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Jesus is teaching, as one theologian wrote that I read this week, the law of wonderful multiplication at the time of harvest. Y'all know what this is, right? Yes, thank you, Sam. <laughs> this is corn. This is corn. Sam and I work together at camp, and so we enjoy laughing together on occasion, yes? Notice, when you look at corn, someone has already asked me if they could have it after the service and eat it. It has not been cooked, but if you want to, go for it. The way that God created things uh, from the beginning was to multiply. He even told Adam and Eve in the garden, be fruitful and multiply, right? Now, not all of these, these are all seeds. Not all the seeds will find good soil. Actually, the normal law for harvest is between five and 15 times. Not all of these seeds will find good soil, but some might, and when they do, look how many seeds they could produce. But Jesus says, you want to know the future for the gospel? The future for the gospel is rejection. The future for the gospel is, it's coming, tribulation. Future for the gospel is distraction. But the gospel is going to fall on some good soil. And there is going to be radical, supernatural multiplication for the glory of God. 30-fold or times, that word can also mean 60 times and 100 times multiplication. Uh, you know what a 100-fold multiplication is? Reading another guy this week, it's a 10,000% return on your investment. That sounds good, right? That's the future for those who are good soil. So how does that relate to us? If that's the future for the gospel, what would it look like for us as a church to be good soil for the gospel? If good soil multiplies by design, what would that look like for us? Watch this video. been around First McKinney for any time, you know that the name Jesus is engraved on the heart of our church. And God has been undeniably faithful as we have pursued His mission of making disciples who live and love like Jesus. I am walking right now on one of the historic locations for our church. In the 150-year history, generations before us made courageous decisions and sacrificed so that we can experience the ministry that is happening right now in and through First McKinney. Today, we have the opportunity to do the same 
for the next generation. We believe God has given us a very clear mission to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. Making disciples is multiplication. The difference between multiplication and addition is extreme. If there were some way we could add to the kingdom of God a thousand people a day, it would take 16,000 years to reach the world. But instead, if we could make a disciple who would make a disciple, just one every six months from your life, in 16 years, you could reach the world. Multiplication. And multiplication moves at the speed of relationship. We were made to multiply. We're at a crossroads moment in the life of our church as it relates to growth, sending capacity, and facility stewardship. And in order to step into the future that God has for us, it's going to involve courageous sacrifice and a step of faith. What a great responsibility to set pieces into place for future generations and to also foster growth with our present church partners. So we need to ask ourselves, what is God asking of me in this vision of our church? We believe God is calling us to multiply relationships, environments, and churches. And we are asking everyone at our church to answer this call. You were made to multiply. We were made to multiply. So you may have heard me say, you don't have to clap for that. That's kind of like, uh, you can, I guess. That's, that's cool. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. If, if, I also wasn't asking for that, but that's okay. If you're a guest here in the room, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. I, I want you to hear, even as we talk about this, it's a great time for you to be visiting the church, to, to hear what our desire would be for us as a church. And if you're part of the church, I hope that you see through this, that we, we are seeking to do is to build the kingdom, not build our place, okay? So I want you to watch what we're, we're talking about here. So listen to vision, direction. You heard me say, multiply relationships, churches, and environments. I want to talk about all three of these. I'll start with relationships. The church in the West is bored. Why? Because many have been taught in the West that the win for you and your faith is to come and to sit for an hour and maybe put a little money in a plate. And that's what God has for you in life. That's not what Jesus called his disciples to. Jesus told his disciples, hey, he could have, he could have, he could have saved everyone he wanted to save just like that. But instead, he invited his disciples into a mission and he said, I'm going to send you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you, and lo, I'm going to be with you always to the end of the age. We believe that God has a purpose for your life that's more than just coming to church and putting a little money in the plate. That God has placed you where you are to impact the people around you in such a way that they would impact the people around them and they would impact the people around them. The logo here for Multiply is a ripple effect. And our desire for our church is that we could store up a, stir up a storm 
right, of disciple makers who are watching their lives drip in the bucket of people's lives in such a way that it affects those around them and those around them and those around them for the glory of God. That's what we desire. We want to lead you to the joy of watching the love of God, not just to you, but through you. There's so many stories we could talk about. There's a guy in our church that was in a group a few years ago that encouraged him to do this with the people around him, and he's been leading groups. Shared with me yesterday that he's had several from those groups that have gone out to lead their own group, and then this year, he he texted me this, and he said, I talked to the chaplain. He's a fireman chaplain about the fire department and we decided to do it and opened it up to police and fire members in our area and we have 40 as of now he sent me this text that are actually reading through scripture with him but not just reading through scripture when they're reading asking and answer the question God what are you saying to me how am I going to obey who am I going to share this with and 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 then we're talking about how do you get those into smaller groups and whatever he's seeing God working most of those people aren't ever going to come to our church but he stepped into their life and God has a purpose for the relationships in your life. That God has people in your life that, that he has you around on purpose so that you can help them to live in love like Jesus, become a disciple in such a way that they could lead others to live in love like Jesus. We believe, again, life groups are one of the key places where relationships happen. And we want you to grow relationships with other followers of Jesus, but not just in our walls, that you would go from our walls also to lead others to follow Jesus, that would lead others to follow Jesus. I got two texts last year in the same week, not texts or emails. Both emails were were basically saying the same thing. Hey, uh, Jesus is coming back soon. And by the way, I agree. And they said, if Jesus were coming back in 10 years, one of them specifically said, what would you do differently? And when you look at the difference between addition and multiplication, I would tell you, as I, and I didn't respond right away, I spent some time thinking, how should I respond, Lord, show me? What are you trying to show me? And here's what he showed me. I would be more serious about this. Multiplication of those who know Jesus, leading others to know Jesus that would lead others to know Jesus. He's coming back soon, and good soil is gonna produce 30, 60, 100-fold. You hear me? You with me? This is the desire for our church, that you would know the love of God through you in that way. Second, churches. Our church, praise God, was growing up to COVID. COVID hit, a lot of people online, in fact, more people joining us for worship online than we'd ever seen. After COVID, you know, there was a little, okay, are people gonna come back to church? We're trying to figure that out. Uh, by God's grace, our church started growing again after COVID. We, this fall, I, you know, we don't talk about this a lot, and that's on purpose. This is not the win for us as a church. We were actually in a, I, don't, I haven't told the church this. Again, this is trying to make the point. I didn't say it first hour, trying to make this point. Y'all know we were in Outreach's magazine, fastest growing churches in the United States of America, 100 top fastest growing churches a few years ago before COVID. We didn't tell you all that. They sent us this big poster to put on the wall. We didn't put it on the wall. You know why? Us getting bigger is not our goal. Addition to our campus is not our goal. What we want to do is send people out to make disciples of others. That's what we want to do. And part of the way we do that is recognizing churches are God's plan A. So let's make other churches. 
We were engaged four years ago in a conversation with a church that our church planted some 25 years ago, Crosspoint, that birthed in these conversations, let's plant churches in our area, engage some other churches in our area that were talking, having similar conversations. And y'all might remember a few years ago, uh, and not, not, not even a few years ago, it's just over a year ago, this man by the name of Paul Morrison, who we got to know through this process, we went through Stadia, who helped us to vet who would be healthy church planters. He came with his planting team for our church for a while. We put him on stage and we said, hey, we are going to help fund with our money another church in our city. And we're, we wanna invite you that our goal for, for growth here is actually sending you we're gonna, we, so we said like, we're gonna, we're gonna invite you and he's told me recently that one of the strongest leaders in his church is actually in his current small group in his church also, left our church that day to go with him. Young couple. I wanna tell you, so, okay. <laughs> I can't stay too long here. I'm genuinely though excited about this. I'm genuinely excited about this. A couple of stats. Most churches in the United States aren't growing. Y'all know that? Most churches are not. Churches like ours that grow. This is not saying that there are many people that have said yes to Jesus in our church in the last year. But only 6% of churches like ours that grow in the United States are currently growing through new people coming to faith in Christ. Most churches like our size that grow are from transfer membership from other churches. And we wanna reach new people for Jesus in our city. So here's another stat. 42% of those that go to church plants in the United States, 42% of church plant attendees were previously unchurched. Why? Well, partly because they're desperate, <laughs> okay? So here's, here's this, I'm gonna t I wanna tell you all a story from, from Cadence each, uh, each week, here's, here's one. This guy right here is Carlos. Carlos recently lost his wife and child tragically in childbirth. His, bo his boss was at Cadence Church and said, hey, I wanna invite you to come to church with me. Carlos came to Cadence, gave his life to Christ, is now engaged in a group and is serving. That's awesome. And we got to be part of that. Yes. What? You may not see him in McKinney. You will see him in heaven, right? We want to, and so that's, some of you must say that this is a gathering now of church planters for the last few years that are planted in our area, next few years plan to plant in our area, and other churches that are in our city that are having this conversation with us, that we're helping to guide that conversation. We want, we want to multiply through our church relationships, those that you know coming to faith in Christ and you leading them to follow Jesus in churches. Y'all with me so far, all right? Finally, environments, environments. This I initially saw as an obstacle. I now genuinely see it as an opportunity for us to multiply disciples for the kingdom of God. When I showed up at the church, people were telling me we need to doze the rock and I would laugh at that, ha ha, y'all don't know who the rock, the rock is our youth building. Um, we have had leak issues in the rock. We've had wall, the rock, rock is almost 50 years old. The roof leaks, the walls were built like this. We had a pipe burst when we had the freeze a few years ago. We opened up the wall to fix the pipes and we found out, you know what, you can just pull the two by fours out of the walls, not because of that pipe leak, but because the walls are rotting because they were built like this. In the concrete, there are pipes. And those pipes, if you've smelled them, we have plumbing issues. 
And so because of your generosity, we're not starting right now a generosity initiative in our church because you haven't been generous. Y'all know that you've given, I probably shouldn't say this going into a generosity initiative. You've given above and beyond the need every year since I've been around this place. Y'all are incredibly generous. So the executive committee pulled aside some of that dollars and they said, hey, uh, let's, let's, let's give some of this to mission work and let's understand also how we best steward our facility. And so that when we did this process two years ago, they had the conversation around the rock. I'll tell you a few more things. We have cooling much of our facility, an air conditioner that's a chiller with a 15 year life expectancy and it's 29 years old. Our church apparently was the first church in McKinney to air condition and I was told a lot of Catholics became Baptists that day. So, uh, so w- there's, this, there's a ticking time bomb related to the chiller. The chiller, a lot of the piping comes in and through the rock and when they replace the chiller, they've got to replace all of that. So they were looking at the rock and the issue we're having the rock. They did a feasibility study on the rock. They came back, a company that just does this. This is what they, I don't, I get paid to look at church stats, right? Not that. A team full of people in our church, subcommittee from our EC that was looking at the report back to us saying, hey, and I had to ask twice in the room, are you, is what you're telling me, if we put more money into trying to take care of that, is that not wise stewardship for us as a church? And that was, yes. This feasibility study came back and said, for us right now, for the future of our church, we need to make a sacrifice that actually is going to save us in the long run. And I think we'll save a lot of kids for the faith for, for Jesus. And so, so we've been having this conversation, and this is exciting. This really is exciting. But it's something I, I pushed back on initially. This is a rendering. You know what a rendering means? It's not going to look like this. Okay? So I'm going to show you. It won't look like this. The red is where the current rock is that is rotting. The, the team looked at a lot of different options and, and the wisest use and, and fiscally responsible use of what we looked at that was putting a potential youth building right over here that we want to invite you to pray over being part of. Why? Why would we do that? Because people come to faith in Christ and come to know Jesus and we launch people out that know Jesus to lead others to follow Jesus through this place. We're not trying to build a bigger palace. We're trying to steward what God has entrusted us with. And it's exciting to think about the potential of having this discipleship space also connecting our children's building and youth building to our campus and a light refresh over here for our adults. That's kind of in the plan. Again, just so you know, this is a rendering. The way you know is, look, Grant's wearing a tie. Ah, (laughs) as if that's gonna happen, yes, all right. So we have more information we're gonna give you about this and we're gonna invite you to be part of. Y'all know what this is, this is the commissioning Uh, last fall of 10 students being licensed into ministry from that place. Multiplication. That's cool, right? That one got engaged yesterday. Yeah. That's, we, we, we believe, what's the future for our church? That God is calling us, you, to multiply in the relationships around you, to lead people to follow Christ, to us to start churches here and around the world that would lead people to follow Christ, and to steward the facility that is our launching pad for that. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? Around our sanctuary, a lot of these stained glass windows, all of them have Jesus in it except for one. There's one of them that's the sower, 
Some people think Jesus is the sower in the parable, and I would lean that way. But do you know that the Bible talks a lot about sowing? And Paul, I think, when he was challenging the church to be generous, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, he brings up the sower and the seed to help them understand the opportunity they have, the joyful opportunity they have to multiply. Look what he says. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply, and what's this word? Multiply. Wow, he should put together like, yeah, here we go. Your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. What? This is inviting him, them into a generosity initiative. Yeah, it, it, those that you know that are the most generous people, you know. You see the enrichment in their life. Enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Back to the parable, what do we struggle with most in McKinney, Texas? I think it's coming when tribulation might be what we struggle with most. But I think right now, for us in the room, the thing we struggle with most is distraction. Justin wrote me this week, how do you know that you have healthy soil? Specifically his words, if I can find them here. Here's how you know if you're in the good soil. You're busy pulling up the weeds. <laughs> how do you pull up these weeds? Jesus told them. He said, transfer your treasure to heaven. Jesus taught that longest sermon. On the, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You wanna, you wanna get your heart in the right place. I think for some of us, there's an opportunity right now, not just to multiply, but to till, till our soil through this season. And for me, I'm telling you, it has been significant in my life. Why? Because I initially pushed back. So I'm going to sit down here for just a second. Uh, I am not a bricks guy. Uh, if you've been around me, you've probably even heard me say before, I don't want to ever do a capital campaign. <laughs> you may have heard me say that. This is something I initially saw as an obstacle because I'm the guy that's like, hey, let's, let's feed the kid that doesn't have food over in whatever. I now genuinely see as an opportunity, and here's three ways that that's, this has been pointed out to me. One, 150th anniversary. I got to watch the 125th anniversary video for our church. And in that video, you know what they thought about? They thought about the next generation. They thought about you. And they said, we don't know who's gonna be here in 25 years, but we believe God is calling us to make a sacrifice. And they showed this scrolling picture of the field behind our church with no children's building in it. The children's building now that has been raising up my own children to follow Christ, multiplying followers of Jesus. And watching that video, I, I was like, oh my, I can't imagine us launching people in discipleship ministry here without that. And thank you, some in the room here made sacrifices to make that happen. You are impacting our life now and lives that will come in the future first thing. Second thing, we had a leader here in our church who sold his business and through so selling his business, he invested in what I initially thought was building an orphanage over in Africa. And I got it, I, when it, that was a challenge for me just to hear him do it and his generosity. When I hear of people's generosity, it's like, wow, I want to be more that way. And then I find myself asking him to show me pictures and he showed me pictures of the construction happening. And I was like, that's so cool. And I realized, why am I saying that? That's bricks. 
I learned even more this week that what he was building over there is really more of a ministry center for youth that will be blessed on the weekends through. But what I was excited about was the ministry that was gonna happen in that place, right? Multiplying disciples. And then finally, Hope Women's Center, y'all know it flooded out and we got to be part of that. I'll tell more of that story later. But watching that go up and walking in that building and realizing God uses places to facilitate ministry that's gonna multiply disciples for the kingdom. And I believe, I believe, Big time now in what we are calling the church to do. Rebecca and I believe in this. Uh, We have already invested, made already a significant, in fact, the the greatest one-time gift that we've ever given to a project, and we're gonna do more because we believe this is gonna multiply disciples. Our executive committee that's been leading us in the process, all of them have said, yes, we're committed to being part of this process significantly. We wanna invest, we wanna sow the seed in this way for our future. And we're going to invite you, but not just, we had 35 conversations this fall with households in our church and 100% made a significant, already significant commitment to say, hey, we believe in this, we want to be part. The ball is rolling. And this is going to be an exciting season for us. It's going to be exciting. So here's what, here's what we want to ask of you. We, we, want, we want to ask you to enjoy the moment with us. Can you do that? Kids, maybe for you, you're going to get to enjoy the moment or like, parents that have kids and you're like hey this is fun but we get to we get to be excited together as that happens but not just that happens we're gonna keep teaching and and showing and pushing for multiplication of relationships and churches in our church and in order to enjoy the moment to kind of help you with that we can't cross the road without a t-shirt here I don't know why but uh, we have shirts and we want you to be able to put the shirt on and be excited with us to, to let the shirt be a prompter for you as you pray and I'll talk about it in a second but also to be able to talk about what God is doing so we have these hubs around campus here and here you can go there'll be people there you can ask questions of we got there's so much information we need to give you related to this so we're going to talk about it at the end of our services for a month so if you miss a time, get, join us online, try to be here. We're gonna also, after the service next week and on the 19th, we're gonna have an additional 20 minute time for just talking about this so we can get out. We, we wanna be fully transparent, tell you all the stuff that we do know. If you wanna ask questions, you can text the word question to 96123. We're podcasting in response to questions. We're gonna to continue to do that. Some of it will be related to the Luke text, I mean the Mark text this week, some of it related to this. We're also gonna take questions from that and we're gonna answer in those facts sections some of the most asked questions from our church and then we're gonna just be around, be ready to answer questions for you. You with us? So first ask is enjoy the moment. The second is, you ready? We want you to have a personal encounter with God as it relates to this vision and say, God, how, how do you want me to engage in this? We want each person in the room here to truly pray and obey. We believe, if you're part of our church, right, that God, he wants us to be good soil. He wants to multiply in and through you. And so our ask is a 100% of you to engage with us in this by praying and obeying God in response to have a personal encounter with God of what does it look like for me right now to engage in this project. And so again, information you'll get on the way out the door will help you, but we're gonna also call the church to a fast. You can't eat or drink for two months. No, I'm kidding. 
we'll, we'll let you pick how you want to fast. We're, we're, uh, Daniel, we're going to study the book of Daniel after Mark. So we have a lot of people that are going to uh, thinking about doing the Daniel fast again that we did several years ago. But starting this Thursday, we want to invite you to fast with us leading up to Ash Wednesday. And then after 21 days of fasting, we're going to have our Ash Wednesday service together. So I'm excited for that. We have window clings for you to put up in areas to remind you to pray, like maybe you put on your windshield or on your mirror or on your phone or whatever, just to remind you to go to God. And men, help, help us in this. In your homes, lead the way, invite this conversation. Because we believe, we believe in and through you. God wants to multiply. He wants, this is not something he wants from you. It's something he wants for us, for his glory and his purposes. Enjoy the moment and with us, Will you, with us, will you pray and obey? This last week, I already had, a, had so many fun conversations related to this. But a conversation with a couple who was telling me, hey, we're excited about this season of prayer because we were in another church. By the way, some people think that churches should ask for money. Um, Jesus talked a lot about money, one. Uh, you go to any nonprofit that's growing, that's how... But, but, so they, they, they said, hey, we're at another church that was inviting us into this, and we decided we were going to pray separate. And so we prayed separate, and we said, we're going to write down just an idea on, on the financial side of how he'd want us to be apart and come back together. And so we came back together. We hadn't discussed how we were going to put those numbers together. One of us came back with a percentage. One of us came back with a round dollar. So then we went back, and we calculated the percentage, and guess what? They matched. And she was like, this is cool. Yeah, so she was like, I'm just excited to engage in the season of prayer and to see what God is gonna do because we got to be part of something now that's changing lives forever. We get, this is exciting. We have the spots outside. I'm gonna pray over you and then you're gonna go. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Go love your neighbor. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.